This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. For the fourth time in six seasons, the Vegas Golden Knights on their way to the West Final. They downed the Edmonton Oilers last night. 5-2 in Game 6. And now, await the winner of tonight's Game 7 between the Seattle Kraken and the Dallas Stars. Also, the final Canadian team out of the NHL's postseason. Panthers knocked off the Leafs. Golden Knights handling both Western Canadian teams in Winnipeg and Edmonton. And uh, now, just one more game to get to in round number two. Welcome to the program. It is Sportsnet today. Happy Monday. It is Logan Gordon along with you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. Here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And yes, lots to get to on the program today. I'm joined by my outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor. We'll, of course, dive into the Golden Knights victory over the Edmonton Oilers last night. Coming up a little bit later this hour, Reed Wilkins, our pal from 630 Chet in Edmonton, will join us. What went wrong for the Oilers in this series? How did Leon Dreisaitl go from red hot to... Not there at all at some points. Who didn't show up for the Oilers? What's next for them in a quiet offseason? The Oilers go into this offseason with most of their cap spent for next season. Minimal RFA and UFA work to get done. No picks in the first, third, or fourth rounds as well for the Oilers. They only have a pick in the second round. So how does GM Ken Holland turn around or improve upon a team that went to the Western Conference Final last year but only makes it to the second round this year despite record-breaking seasons from his stars in Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl? That'll be the question that we get to with Reed a little bit later on. We also have uh, some updates when it comes to the Calgary Flames and their general manager searching. Uh, Elliot Friedman from the 32 Thoughts podcast and Frank Saravalli, our NHL insider from Daily Faceoff, uh, both with the latest on the Flames GM search. So we'll kick off hour two with that discussion. And uh, we'll also check in with the Toronto Blue Jays and uh, Show Ali from Sportsnet 5.9 of the Fan in Toronto. A very successful weekend for the Toronto Blue Jays as they sweep away the Atlanta Braves. It wasn't pretty, but the Jays got it done against one of the best teams in baseball. And uh, we'll talk to show about that uh, coming up in hour two. But yes, last night, the story out of Edmonton, game six, the Oilers unable to push it to a seventh and deciding game in Las Vegas. And uh, a lot of 
sad faces post game for the Oilers. A lot of missed opportunity talk from, you know, the head coach Jay Woodcroft, Leon Dreisaitl, uh, but Connor McDavid, of course, uh, the the captain of the team, the leader of that team in so many ways, uh, was one to speak last night as well, and um, wanted to make it a part of the process. Hopefully, and looking back at this as just one of the ways that the Oilers used to push themselves further in coming years. Here's what Connor had to say post game last night. It feels like every team that that wins and goes on a stretch of winning um, kind of experiences this. Um, obviously, it's not not what you want to do, not what you want to uh, feel. Um, that being said, you know, I really feel that uh, you got to go through some of this to uh, to win. Um, I think we've seen that all the way through. It's almost the last time. You know the, the numbers for Connor McDavid, outstanding as always. His eighth of the postseason last night at 55 seconds into the game. Responding from an early Riley Smith goal. Connor would finish with just the one goal in last night's game. Four shots on goal, three hits, one block, two giveaways, 54% on the faceoff dot in exactly 24 minutes of ice time. His partner in crime, Leon Dreisaitl, who was red hot and looked to be well on his way to setting a new NHL postseason mark for goals. Went quiet as the series drowned on. He did not have a banner night in game six. No points for Leon. Minus four. Three shots on goal. Three hits. And not surprising, but a much more disappointed outlook from Leon Dreisaitl compared to the captain, Connor McDavid, after the loss. Yeah, it, it hurts. Um, I don't Yeah, It's tough, tough to find words right now. Um, obviously... You know, when you start a season, you're you're in it to to win it, and and we're at that stage. If you if you don't complete that, then um, it just feels like a, a yeah a, f- a failure or or a wasted year almost. So um, yeah, it hurts. That a big storyline: the lack of production from Leon Drysdale as the series went on. Of course, many were curious to see what interaction, if any. He would have with uh, Vegas defenseman Alex Petrangelo in the handshake line last night. Uh, it was a quick, brief interaction between the two with Leon. Not even making eye contact with Petrangelo. Uh, clearly still some hurt feelings given uh, the incident that occurred between both of those two. But uh, for Alex Petrangelo, he's not worried about it. He's back in the lineup and uh, back with his team into the Western Conference Final. The last big story point. Uh, from last night that had people talking to the decision from Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft to once again start Stuart Skinner in goal. He would be pulled after two periods. Jack Campbell would come in for the third, would not give up a goal, uh, but still the contentious point in Edmonton, whether or not Campbell should have started more than the third, maybe should have started a few games in this series. Here's what the Oilers head coach had to say in his goaltending decision post game last night. But was there ever a point where you thought maybe give Jack a chance to start the game, or how did you kind of go? Yeah, with that I think we we beat this up uh, in the last two days in terms of the questions. But yeah, that we think about that stuff all the time. Um, in the end, we win as a team, and and we don't win as a team. And um, um, you know, I thought uh, you know, there's different points in tonight's game 
where we got to be better, and that's not on one person regardless of the position. He's not wrong. There were definitely points where the goaltender could have used help. But to finish with a 765 save percentage, 13 saves on 17 shots, I, I thought Stuart Skinner ran out of gas. I, I really did. And we'll talk to Reed Wilkins about it coming up later this hour. I'm curious from an Oilers perspective how the fans feel about that because it's never just on one guy. I want to be clear about that. I don't think that this changes the outcome of the series. I think it definitely gives Edmonton a better chance to win. But it's not it's not simply on Stuart Skinner. It's just, I don't know. It felt like at that time it was, it would have been a point where I, I think I would have heavily considered going to, to Jack Campbell. And I know some people got spooked by the fact that he was all of a sudden middle of the playoffs, changing his goalie gear. And a lot of people will tell you, goalies, you know, creatures of habit, bad sign for him to go into that. I have no idea if that's an an actual thing they would worry about. I know he has very good numbers against the Vegas Golden Knights. And I know that you signed Jack Campbell to be that guy in the offseason. And you didn't go to him once in this series, really, to, to start things out when you might have needed him. So... I think it's absolutely fair to question and wonder where we might be if he was the one to get the start last night. But let's be honest. What what Jay Woodcroft said there at the end was, to me, the, the key, and that's that they didn't get enough from some of the key guys that matter. You know, a lot of people played it last night. I last night, you know, the Evander Kane, you know, F around and find out comment after game two. Evander Kane had four points the entire postseason. That's not good enough. That's a lot of talk for 24 minutes and 15 seconds of ice time, and you picked up your fourth point of the postseason last night. And I know he went through a major hand injury this year. I get a wrist injury. I get all that. But that's just not enough production. Four points, not good enough. Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Zach Hyman's name have both come up. Zach Hyman was tremendous against the LA Kings. He did have two points to help the Oilers get to game six. But again, at times, I didn't think that he gave them enough. And it's hard because Ryan Nugent Hopkins had 11 points this postseason. And that's a very good by most standards playoff. But given the year that he had in the regular season, hitting the 100-point mark, showing other teams, presumably, that Kane and Nugent Hopkins and Hyman and these kind of guys... We're going to be there at the key times for this Oilers team when Connor was being shut down or when Leon was getting, you know, double teamed and more defensive pressure than he ever has during the regular season that they were going to be there to show up. And I'm frankly, they just didn't do it. Depth still a major concern for this Oilers team, a must win game and three guys on the forward ranks for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, barely cracked seven minutes of ice time. Clem Costin, 350. Matthias Janmark, 618. And Nick Bugstad, 701 of ice time. That's, that's depth, still a concern. The Oilers, I think, have done a, I'll be honest, I know people in Calgary don't love hearing it. They've done a better job 
the last couple of years bringing in legitimate NHL forwards and legitimate NHL depth, but it was clearly still a factor against a, a Vegas team that was just deeper. Vegas could trust their third and fourth lines more than Edmonton could. Only two guys for Vegas were under the 10-minute mark as far as forwards go. That was Colasar and Carrier at 9.37 and 9.11 each. That's a significant time to take off of some of your top players. Even that five minutes makes a big difference for guys in the postseason when it's as physical and as difficult as it is now. Those minutes make a big difference, and I still think the Oilers have some question marks there. And what happens this offseason? I don't know because there's a lot that's already determined for the Oilers. Much like we talk about here in Calgary, how you're going to make things work. The Oilers are capped out. Derek Ryan and Matthias Yanmark are your two big UFAs. They come in at $1.25 million each. Devin Shore at eight fifty. Nick Bugstad, who's on a retained salary in that trade, he's also a UFA. You need to re-sign Clem Costin and Ryan McLeod as RFAs with Arbrights. On the back end, Evan Bouchard is your big one. He is an RFA, but does not have arbitration rights, so that might hold him back from a massive payday, at least on this contract from the Edmonton Oilers. So disappointing year, step back year for the Edmonton Oilers. You can be the judge of that game three, or excuse me, round three last year, round two this year. I don't know what else you're going to, you know, come up with if, if you're the Oilers and certainly ask from, from Connor and company, that's going to be the, the toughest one. For, for that conversation, for sure, is if Connor's going to be at that level and this is still where the group sort of maxes out, I, I, I it's going to be an interesting one for sure because I think Ken Holland, I mentioned those lack of draft picks, just a second-round pick um, in the first four rounds this year for the Edmonton Oilers. You're going to have to get uh, a little bit more creative when it comes to how you manage this offseason for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, as you would expect, uh, plenty of feedback already uh, on the Oilers and the Golden Knights from last night on our fan feedback line at 960-960. Fan feedback line is always open to you here on Sportsnet today. Uh, and a couple of texts picking up uh, on this conversation. Uh, let's start with uh, Woodcroft is a terrible coach. He was outcoached badly in this series. Why the hell did Skinner start that game when Campbell is 5-1 and one against Las Vegas? Our pal Matt and Cochran texting in. Uh, haven't they already gone through this? Four straight years making the playoffs. All they need to grow and learn from it. Five years for the least. Blow it up. Burn it down. Fire everybody. Seems conflicting to me. Our pal Big Mike uh, texting in as well. Good day, Logo. What a day. The sun is shining. The birds are singing. And the Oilers are out of the playoffs. All is right in the world. Uh, Stu in Calgary says, Jens McJesus uh, has carried that team long enough. It's about rings now. Already has more money than he could ever spend. Besides, his next contract will likely be $20 million and probably part ownership of any team he picks to play for. Um, yeah, look, the McDavid conversation is is one that no doubt will continue to come up. It's not nearly as pressing as, as say, Austin Matthews, who's coming into the last year of his deal. Um, McDavid's at 12 and a half until 2025-2026. So... Unless he, he comes out and 
publicly wants to, to say that he wants a change or is demanding a change. I don't think the Oilers are in any way, shape, or form worried about that. He's still a bargain contract at $12.5 million. It's just, yeah, what happens next? The guy put up a stupid regular season like we haven't seen in years and years and years. He put up 153 points in the playoffs. Even a down year in the postseason, or in 12 playoff games, he still put up 20 points. What what else is there for Connor McDavid to to possibly give to this Oilers team? That's that's the biggest question for me and all of that. And like I said, we'll get more into the Oilers uh, coming up next segment with Ray Wilkins, six thirty, Chad, host a uh, host of Oilers now uh, up the road in Edmonton. But this also brought up a topic last night that it happens every single year that this streak continues and it's one that has always boggled my mind and i'm very curious if the text line if you're listening live feels the same way because there's always this narrative that i have just i've never bought into and I, i'll never really I, I can't see myself ever buying into and it was the the shame or the disappointment to canada that the stanley cup would not be coming back to a Canadian team this season. I don't get it. I've never got it. I, I As a Canadian, I don't feel ashamed or... I don't even know what the right word is. I'm supposed to feel disappointment in the seven Canadian teams that the Cup has, has gone to an American team where there's three, four times the amount of teams. I've, I've never got it. That one comes up every, oh, it's been 30 years since the Canadian team has has brought the cup back to Canada. For, uh, first of all, I don't think it matters because as I look at the rosters of the teams left today, um, Florida, Vegas, Seattle, Dallas, and Carolina, they are littered with star players from Canada. Whoever wins the cup this year will have the Stanley Cup spending more days in Canada than probably if a Canadian team had won it anyways. Why is that a disappointing, why is that a slight on Canadians or on Canadian teams? Is it just this perceived notion that there's Canada's team every year? Because there's not. I don't know about you and your hockey friends. But the guys that I talk, or guys and girls that I talk about hockey with, don't necessarily jump on the first Canadian team that's left in the playoffs and go, yep, let's go Leafs. Flames are done. It's time for the Leafs bandwagon, baby. Actually, most of my friends hate the Leafs. I don't want to talk about the Leafs anymore. No one from Calgary is putting on an Oilers car flag for the playoffs and hoping that Edmonton is the one that ends this quote unquote drought into Canada for the Stanley cup. I've never got that, but here it was all over Twitter last night. Oh, another year, another year without the cup in Canada. The cup's going to be in Canada all summer long. When Vegas wins it or whoever wins it, Carrier, McCann, Gord, Ben, Bur I could go down the list for 20 minutes and list you the star Canadian players 
still around in the playoffs or the Swedish players or the Finnish players. Like, am I, I just, I couldn't stand it last night. And I don't know why it bugged me more last night. It comes up every single year that a Canadian team doesn't bring it back to Canada. But I mean, first of all, math, like I said, mathematically, American teams have a much better chance. There's way more American teams than there are Canadian teams. And I also don't understand why that's a slight on, on the Canadian hockey, I'll say culture or the Canadian hockey product. Maybe that a Canadian team hasn't brought the cup back is I've never understood that one. And I, and I, I won't, I don't see anybody turning over to another Canadian team, begging them just so the Stanley cup can come back to, to Canada, quote unquote. I mean, if the flames won the cup, it would be in Sweden for a very large portion of the year. Right, Taylor? I'm not, I'm not kidding about this. The, the guys spend their time in their cup usually in their hometown or it's going to be in Sweden. Lindholm will have it and then Bax will have it. Like, it's not. Why is this a slight on Canadians because the cup hasn't been on a Canadian team in 30 years? I don't get it. I mean, there are Canadians that win it, so it technically does come to Canada. It's going to be in Canada all summer long. It'll probably be in Alberta at some point. I don't I think get it. It's the, I mean, Kel McCarr brought it this summer. You were dr- Exactly. Um, How many Calgarians were drinking Slurpees out of the cup with Kel McCarr and Logan O'Connor this summer? But I feel like it's the, that there's no Canadian teams that have won it, right? Like there hasn't been a Canadian team that has won the Stanley Cup in quite some time. ESPN stats and info. With the Oilers now eliminated, it's been 30 years since the last team from Canada won the Stanley Cup. With a picture of Leon Dreisaitl, who's German. Like, all right, cool. You, you got us. John Boy Media, 30-year drought continues in Canada. Why? Who cares? Is the is it riding on Leon Dreisaitl's shoulders to bring a cup to Canada? Because I feel like we're going to be waiting quite a while for well, that. He, why would he, he wouldn't come to he'd be part of the parade? Sure, I guess. And his day with the Stanley Cup will probably be back in Germany. What are you talking about? Stupid. No one, cares. No one in Calgary wants, wants it to go to Edmonton. And vice versa, because you wouldn't hear them ever, you'd never hear the conversation end. It's part of why we love dogging on Toronto forever, because they have a great fan base and they have lots of people who are attached to it, and no one from Ottawa or Winnipeg or anywhere else wants to sit there and hear the Leafs fans talk about winning the Stanley Cup forever. Like, (laughs) please, just one of those things that really irked me last night that as a Canadian I was supposed to be I don't know, somehow slighted that another Canadian team didn't bring the cup back to Canada. Okay. Have fun when Sam Bennett or Brandon Montour or Mason Marchment, Paul Stastny, bring it back to to Canada for their day with the Stanley Cup. Like it's never been here before. Uh, One of those ones. 
Uh, what does this one says? Uh, this one says, I can't stand the whole cup coming back to Canada thing either. It's treasonous if you cheer for Edmonton as a Flames fan. No other Canadian team means a thing to me but Calgary. Why should I care? Imagine next season we have to deal with Oilers fans rubbing it in our faces. If you really want to cheer for Canada, go for Vegas at this point with the roster makeup. Yeah, they've got a ton of Canadians on their team. It says, bang on logo. If Calgary doesn't win it, I don't want another Canadian team winning it. I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but it was one of those things last night. I was like, yeah, I don't think that works how you think it does, but oh well. Uh, let's dive back into the Oilers. Uh, their season comes to an end last night. The last Canadian hope for a Stanley Cup, guys, is is out. But it now brings on a, a really interesting offseason for them. Um, minimal cap to be spent. Some interesting players. UFA, RFA status. And very few draft picks to go along with it. Success for the Oilers. Disappointment for the Oilers to be back here. Uh, we'll hear from Reed Wilkins, 630 Chad. Uh, host of Oilers now coming up when we uh, come back here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. A reminder, you can grab the show at your convenience or any of our Sportsnet 960 shows, including Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg, The Big Show with Russick and Rose. You can get any of those shows at your convenience your favorite podcatcher, Google, Amazon, Spotify, whenever you'd like. Podcasts go up literally minutes after every hour of the show. You can stream them on demand. We would certainly love if you would like and subscribe. It's Logan Gordon along with you. This is Sportsnet Today. You're on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Monday edition, game seven tonight. The final game of round two in the Stanley Cup playoffs goes at 6 o'clock. It's the Dallas Stars and the Seattle Kraken. Series tied three games apiece after Seattle tied things up with a 6-3 win over the weekend. Jake Ottinger versus Philip Grubauer. Of course, you can watch this one on the Sportsnet television network. As far as uh, listening to hockey on your radios tonight. We've got Wranglers and Firebirds. Game three of that series. Best of five Pacific Division final tonight continues. Wranglers are going to grab a 2-1 series lead. Eight o'clock puck drop from Coachella Valley. Lots of momentum for the Wranglers heading into this game. Uh, They dropped game one, 6-3, but stormed back in game two to even things up with a 3-2 victory. Connor Zary, Jacob Pelche, and Brett Sutter all scoring in the win, while Dustin Wolf bounced back with 31 saves on 33 shots. Shouldn't be surprising to anyone that these teams have gone back and forth. They were uh, in eight matchups during the regular season. Uh, they split them equally, four and four. Two teams, the only clubs in the AHL who posted uh, 100 points plus in the 2022. 2023 season Wranglers only edged the Firebirds 29 to 27 in goals scored in those eight games. So not uh, surprising to anybody that uh, these two teams were evenly matched through the first two games of the playoffs, because let's be honest, they were evenly matched throughout eight games in the regular season as well. Uh, make sure to keep an eye on Connor's area tonight. 
Uh, three points in six games this season on the regular season. 21 goals, 58 points in 72 games. We'll have Sandra Persina on the call tonight from Coachella Valley. 8 o'clock right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan. GVP and Dazam are uh, outstanding producers. We'll have you handled throughout intermissions and uh, post-game for the Wranglers and the Firebirds tonight. So if you're looking to uh, listen to some hockey, you got some driving around to do uh, uh, tonight and you want to catch the Wranglers and the Firebirds, uh, make sure you're tuned in to Sportsnet 960 The Fan. But before we get to that, we will take you to New York for the Jays and the Yankees. Jays, tremendous series against the Atlanta Braves over the weekend. Big win on Mother's Day. Now they welcome in their AL East rival, the New York Yankees. Jimmy Cordero, 3-1 on the season in 16 innings. Sporting a 2.81 ERA goes for New York. Alec Manoa going for the Jays. Still looking to find his groove this season. 41 innings pitched for Alec. 4.83 ERA. Jays have winners of three in a row. Yankees have lost one uh, in a row. Both teams 6-4. and four. In their last 10. Jays 24 and 16. Yankees 23 and 19 in the ultra competitive American League East. So uh, some Jays and Yankees on your radio tonight. Once that wraps up, we will make sure to help you uh, get out to the Firebirds and the Wranglers. Uh, that's coming up tonight on Sportsnet. Later on this afternoon, of course, Hockey PDO cast with Dmitry Filipovich. And Pat's got you for Flames Talk at 4 o'clock. We'll dive into some Flames news coming up. Just uh, well, We'll start the second hour off with some Flames news. Uh, some updates on the GM search, courtesy of Elliot Friedman and uh, Frank Saravalli, two uh, NHL insiders with the latest when it comes to the Flames GM search. Of course, the NHL draft getting closer as the postseason begins to wind down. We know interim GM and... Um, President of Hockey Ops, Don Maloney, spoke the last couple of weeks about wanting to have a GM in place for those final scouting meetings heading into a very important draft for the Calgary Flames. So uh, we'll dive into some of the names and some of the rumors regarding the Flames GM position when we kick off Hour 2. Uh, as of right now, they'll promise you some more Oilers talk following last night's loss to the Vegas Golden Knights. And the one person we always turn to when we want to chat Oilers, that's uh, our pal Reed Wilkins, host of Inside Sports and Oilers Hockey on 630 Chen in Edmonton. He joins us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. Reed, thanks as always for doing this, man. How are you today? Well, need uh, some extra comfort from Atlas Pizza today. <laughs> I might have to, or to order the extra large. We got him working yeah, in the other room for you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> nothing, nothing drowns the sorrows quite like a, uh, a large Atlas pie. Eh? That's true. I might, I might spring for the black olives this time. <laughs> You're a friend of the show. We won't even charge you for those Reed. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> uh, so a tough one last night. Uh, season comes to an end for the uh, Edmonton Oilers. Uh, game six against the Vegas Golden Knights. Reed, uh, in six games, what was the difference? What led to Vegas walking out of this in uh, six games and heading to the Western Conference Final? Oh, man. Well, I think there were a lot of things, and I think it was a lot of little things that that added up because I, I don't think – I mean, look, there were some areas in which the Oilers were uh, inferior, but they were all things that 
you can overcome if there's only a couple of them, but, but, you know, they all kind of figured in, look, this series was not a goaltending loss, but the Oilers had to pull their goaltender a couple of times, you know, uh, now Stuart Skinner might win rookie of the year. The Oilers may not even have made the playoffs if not for Skinner, but you know, he wasn't quite good enough. He wasn't on the level. He wasn't the regular season. Did he let in obviously bad goals? I would say not really, but there weren't enough saves along the way. And there were pucks getting by him that you needed stopped. And then you look at the other end, um, only one goalie stole a game and that was Aiden Hill last night. So that's, that was one factor. And then I think if I had to kind of narrow it down, the, the golden Knights, were better in the scoring area at both ends of the rink. You know, the traditional term is the slot. My, my colleague Rob Brown on our shows on Ched, you know, calls it the house. Some people call it the, the home plate area. Vegas was better in those areas. They were better in the offensive end in terms of getting to the net, keeping pucks alive, winning puck battles, getting second chance goals and at the other end Vegas was better at getting in shooting lanes clearing pucks limiting chances on rebounds and all those types of things so I I think those were if I if I had to boil it down Mm -hmm. I mean I could go on this for hours and we did after the game last night and I will again on my show tonight (laughs) but if I were to sort of boil it down you know the goaltending wasn't quite there for Edmonton and then Vegas, I think, just was able to play a little bit more of a of a firmer, more detailed game in that in that crucial area of the ice. I like how you put it because I'm certainly with you, Reed, in the fact that I don't think goaltending was the deciding factor in this. But I'm curious what the reaction's been like from your point of view and from doing the shows. Is there a, a sentiment in Edmonton that that Jack Campbell maybe should have got the start last night or should have got a start at some point during this series? Well, there is that sentiment, and that's certainly going to be a discussion. And, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. This discussion started after game four in the L.A. series. The Oilers fell behind 3 nothing after the first period. They played quite poorly. Skinner wasn't bad, but they decided to make a goaltending change. The Oilers won that game 5-4 in overtime. Campbell got beat on a wide-open chance. He stopped Victor Arvidsson on a breakaway to keep the Oilers in the game, and then eventually Edmonton won in overtime. We talked about it a lot after that game. If that were me, I would have gone to Jack Campbell for game five against Los Angeles. They didn't. Skinner played well. They won the game. Then they won game six. Yes, Skinner got beaten four times in game six, but he played pretty well. He had the bad break with the broken stick and stayed steady after that. So once that happened... I kind of thought it's going to take something pretty extreme for them to put Campbell in. Now, there was certainly an opportunity to do it uh, in game game four, uh, certainly an opportunity to do it last night, but I think they just decided Skinner got us into the playoffs and, and we trust him and we're going to go with him. Campbell played better his last three or four starts of the season but those were spread out and obviously his save percentage, you know, remained under 900 most of the year. 
and he did say he felt better, but I just think the Oilers coaching staff ultimately decided that Skinner, they felt, was a, was a safer bet. You know, it was it would have been a pretty still a pretty risky move to put Campbell in. You know, and, and who knows, maybe he would have won the game last night. Um, but that still would have been a pretty risky move to put him in. And, and you throw Jack Campbell in last night, he allows two goals in the first five minutes, and everybody's like, well, why would you put the good new guy in that you couldn't trust all season long? But it, it will be discussed. I mean, you, you guys know what it's like. After a loss, everything is going to get picked apart. Interesting. Would you describe this as a disappointing year for the Oilers, given the fact that they went to round three last year and only made it to round two this year, Reed? I would describe this as one of the most disappointing seasons in the history of the franchise, quite frankly. Um, and that's because they're legitimately good. You know, I, I, maybe people are listening saying, well, didn't you guys finish like in the bottom three, like six out of seven years during the decade of darkness? <laughs> like, yes, they did. But, you know, those teams were, and I'm, I'm not saying that it was, it was fun to be, to be that bad, but you kind of knew that those teams were highly unlikely to, to be very good. You know, there was a couple of years where you thought maybe they, they would squeak in or be competitive, but you kind of knew they weren't going to be very good. Expectations were high for this team throughout the season. And even though their first half of the, the year was middling, you know, they, they finished incredible. You know, they, they finished 14-0-1. They, uh, they, they made a, a, a marquee deadline acquisition to get Ekholm. They made a, a sharp depth acquisition to get Bukestad. So they, they looked like a team that, that could certainly contend and, and could certainly, you know, trade punches with the, the Vegases of the world. So, I think it's it's massively disappointing, you know, and it, even that they didn't go as far as last year. And I mean, look, you either win the cup or you don't. So I guess it doesn't matter what round you get knocked out in. But for them to to go out in the second round, and I guess I think kind of too just the way they went out. I, I you know the, the first two games they lost in this series, they lost game one, they lost game three. They didn't play very well, and and Rob Brown and I discussed this on our show last night that okay, you're you're going to lament last night, but you had a ton of shots and you kind of got goalied. And then, okay, game five was a very close game. You had a five-minute power play, only scored once. Vegas scored three goals at a minute 29. Okay, small sections of the game, you weren't quite good enough. But games one and three, the orders just didn't look like themselves. Like they weren't sharp, they weren't completing passes, they weren't checking, they didn't get saves, they didn't cash in on chance. Like it was just everything in those games. So, I think just that that they kind of went out that way too is is pretty disappointing. And and you know again, like we they got two special players on the team. They have improved the team around it. I, I around those guys. I think that there's still going to be a lot of questions about what's next and how do you continue to round it out. So yeah, I, I think it's a massively disappointing season. The, the, the city feels like it felt very nervous yesterday. Felt very nervous yesterday. And it feels very like sad today. Like I had a couple of friends text me, just say, I am sad. And, and I think last year there was, it was a little bit of playing with house money. You know, they won the battle of Alberta. Colorado was clearly the favorite to win the cup. It was like, okay, you know, yeah, we could have done it, but it was still kind of a long shot, even though they were in the final four, the, the orders weren't a long shot this year. They were sixth overall. I mean, they were right up there with, Boston and a couple other teams in the second half of the season. So it, it to me, it's a it's massively, massively disappointing. 
Uh, Reed, how would we evaluate the work of Jay Woodcroft in his first full season and second playoff as head coach of the Edmonton Oilers now? Well, I think he's a very good coach. I mean, he, the, the one loss record is, is excellent. Uh, I mean, I think he still has a higher points percentage than Glenn Sather, though I guess the first couple of years Sather coached, they weren't as good, but, but still. Um, I think he's a very detailed coach. I think he gives players the opportunity to improve and, and encourages them to improve. And you might say, well, isn't that every coach's job? It is, but I do think there are, well, I don't think, I know there are coaches at the NHL level who sort of have the attitude, well, you got to give me the players that I need. You know, I can't make them better at this point. You got to give me the, the guys I can slot into where I want to slot them. Uh, I think you can obviously question some of the things in this series. You, you mentioned the goaltending, um, you know, some of the line matching. Should have he looked for that sooner in the series to get McDavid and Dreisaitl favorable matchups? Um, I think that, like, sometimes if you say another coach did a better job, it doesn't mean the losing coach did poorly. But mm-hmm. I, I think Bruce Cassidy had his team better prepared for game one. And specifically, if you look at how they defended McDavid off the rush, they had a clear plan for what they were going to do. The, the defensemen were actually quite passive on him passive on and, and the forwards were passive on him in the neutral zone but then they sort of sprung a trap once he got inside the blue line where he was kind of boxed in because I think they thought there's no sense forwards challenging him in the in the neutral zone because he'll just buzz by them so we might as well kind of sag back and then try to envelop him when he gets inside the blue line so I think that that was really effective and then I do think um you know, I think it's hard, but I do think Vegas's PK got a little bit better as this as the series went on because they they were making. I know the Oilers still scored a ton of power play goals, but I think they kept working on that and did a very good job. So, yeah, I think you know Woody's going to take some heat too, but I think he's a good coach. I think players like him. McDavid said after they beat LA that he thinks he's one of the top five, if not three, coaches in the league. Now, sure, it's his coach, so he's biased, but to come out and say that about a guy is is pretty high praise. Reed Wilkins along with us following the uh, Oilers loss in game six to the Vegas Golden Knights last night. Uh, Reed, the host of Inside Sports and Oilers Hockey on 630 Chad in Edmonton. Okay, Reed, what does the offseason look like for Ken Holland? What's priority number one as the offseason begins for the Oilers GM? Well, honestly, if, if you've seen the Frank Cervelli reports and certainly some of the rumblings very quietly around the rink, is, is Ken Holland the general manager or is it Steve mm-hmm. Bales? So that's number one. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> then you look, I think you're going to look at, okay, what are they going to do with someone like Kyler Yamamoto? You know, $3 million player who works hard, but doesn't finish a lot of chances. Is he in the future of the team? Um, Nick Bugstad came in, had a nice little run. Uh, I mean, if you look at his, uh, I don't think he quite got to 20 goals total. If you combine his stats with Arizona's, but he was up there. Uh, can you afford to bring him back? I think he was a pretty good player with some offensive contributions and face-offs. Uh, what do you do with Derek Ryan, who was in Calgary and, quite frankly, was pretty good in the playoffs? He and and Ryan McLeod and Warren Fold were, were a pretty good line most of the time. You know, here's the thing. We're, we're talking about a lot of the same things we talked about with the Oilers for years but we're now we're talking about them not like, okay, they like I'm going to say this again. They need more depth. But it's not like they need five forwards. They need a couple. Like they still need a number six forward because they got McDavid, Hyman, Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, and Kane. 
nobody really grabbed that number six role. So they needed they need a number six forward. You know, something might happen on on defense. They they could use maybe somebody a little more experienced and, and steady there just to help out and still help Deharnay and Brobert come along. And I still wonder, like, is there now that we've seen how they lost to Vegas? Because now the goal for the Oilers is to go these last couple of steps. They should be a playoff team. You know, they should be in the mix. Do they need? two, three, maybe four guys who are just miserable SOBs to play against every night, you know, and, and you look at that competitiveness that some of these guys on Vegas had, you know, like Marsha show, like stone, like they are just in your face all the time. And they like, I'm not saying this player exactly. And he's the extreme end of this, but a Joe Pavelski, Mm -hmm. of course, you're not going to get somebody who scores like that, but there are a lot of players like that around the league that you might watch them for a, a game or two, if or you see them on Hockey Night in Canada or a game of the week, and you think, well, he's okay. I mean, I kind of noticed him. I'm, how does he? How does he have this many points? And then you watch him every day for a month, and you're like, he is just around the puck and in the way all the time. And and I still think now to get to the highest level, the Oilers are probably still looking for a couple players like that. And you know, maybe someone like Dylan Holloway is internally the guy. Maybe Ryan McLeod continues to develop and becomes that type of guy. But now that we're talking about the Oilers getting those final two steps and how they lost to Vegas, I, I think that's something that was missing. Uh, I guess quickly before we, we let you go here, Reed, and I do appreciate the time as always, that, that thought about the Steve Stales one, do you think that there's something there about potentially seeing a change up at GM for the Oilers? Yeah, I think it's possible. Um, I, I mean... I'm not saying he came here with that guarantee, but he did leave a pretty nice job in the OHL to come to the Oilers. Um, you know, he's not, uh, I mean, look, of course he's a retired ex player. Um, so it's not like he's 34 years old or something, but you know, he's not yet 50. So a little bit perhaps younger for, I think he turns, well, I think he turns 50 in July. I just quickly looked him up, but you know, th- that could be a guy who is sort of a, a bridge between somebody maybe like Holland's age and, and maybe the next generation of some of the, the younger managers. Uh, you know, I think he, he, he knows younger talent having worked in the OHL. I think he knows about some of the advanced, well, I, you know, I know he knows about, of course, the analytics and the advanced stats and those types of things. So, yeah. And there's a little bit of a tradition there with him having played for the Oilers. So yeah, I, I, I wonder now with Holland, does, does he want to be around and be the GM for another run? Like, like if the Oilers would have won the cup this year, would have that been for sure? Holland says, okay, what a way to go out, you know? <laughs> so, I I don't know, but I, but I definitely do think there's something there. And I think Steos is clearly someone they hired identifying him as a definite candidate to replace Ken Holland someday. Reed, uh, appreciate the time as always. Sorry, I know it was a busy one for you last night and it'll probably be busy as you guys uh, continue to dissect uh, a good Oilers season, but appreciate you spending some time with us today. Uh, I just saw your Atlas pie head out the door. It should be there in a couple hours, pal. Okay, I'll be waiting for it. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, Reed. Appreciate it. Reed Wilkins, 630 Ched, uh, up the road in Edmonton. Always kind enough, uh, the host of Inside Sports and Oilers Hockey, to join us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. The Edmonton Oilers season comes to an end after a six-game series loss to the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, next up for Vegas. They will host the winner of Dallas and Seattle that game. Seven goes tonight from Dallas at 6 o'clock 
on the Sportsnet Television Network. We've got some Flames GM news to pass your way. Well, rumors, let's say. Uh, much like the Steve Stales rumor that uh, Ken, that uh, Breed was talking about there, in fact, with the Oilers, uh, perhaps being a name around that organization, more names popping up around the Flames organization. We'll tell you who they are and uh, what we think of those options when we come back, kick off an hour or two of Sportsnet today. You're on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.